This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Garden Show on Zoomer Radio with Charlie Dobbin, aided and abetted by yours truly, Dean Holland. How are you this morning, Charlie? I'm wonderful. How are you? I am also very, very good. Happy Saturday <laughs> to you. Hey, so this is different. You're in the studio, I understand. I am. Yes, I'm in Toronto. All yeah, I'm in the Zoomer studio. Up in a tuxedo. Well, not quite a tuxedo, but a suit. Yeah, I got my tie mm-hmm. on because uh, I uh, uh, probably one of the most uh, honorable engagements that I get to do every year or I have done for a number of years is uh, I'm going over to the Royal Agriculture Winter Fair to MC uh, Remembrance Day right after I finish here. So, yeah. Ah, yeah. Good thing. Good job. Well, and you know, yeah. have have fun with that as fun as that can be. Yeah, um, I enjoy it. <clears throat> I love the Royal though. It's such a it's such a great show. It is. It is. You know what, I I worked there for a handful of years emceeing their food and lifestyle stage, and during that time started to emcee, and it, it, it is. It's so vibrant, so great. This is the last weekend. It finishes tomorrow. Yeah. It's so cool. Well, one of the things I love about the Royal, and this has nothing to do with the Garden Show, but nevertheless, one of the things I love about the Royal is that it's such... Um, a cross-section of society. So when you're there, you can see people walking around with, you know, literally, you know, poop on their boots mm-hmm. alongside somebody else who's draped in diamonds and oh, furs. No, very and, true. And like they're off to the opera. Yeah. Like it's just, it's it's lovely. <laughs> it's yeah. crazy and lovely. And you are absolutely right. You are absolutely right. And on any of those events and walking through, you are bang on. Suits mm-hmm. right alongside Farmers in poopy boots, and it's uh, yeah, it's <laughs> and it's kids. Great. There's always school kids, except maybe not on the weekends. But there's always scavenger hunts yeah. going on with the students, and yeah, it's pretty fun. I'm it's a big pretty... fan of the butter sculptures. I always fascinated by the butter sculptures. I can't imagine carving butter, you know, but they do it. They do it. <laughs> I, and would of, just, I would do it. <laughs> yeah, and and I was going to say, and of course, the most the most important flower today, of course, is the poppy. Mm. Yeah, so mm-hmm. the, the, the the poppy. And, you got it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we're on it. So listen, you want to do the phone numbers? I would and love I have to two do quick that. announcements. You got as well. it. Okay, so we would love for, to, for you to give us a call with any gardening questions inside or outside gardening questions. If you live in Toronto, 416-360-0740 or anywhere outside Toronto in the province of Ontario, toll free 1-866-740-4740. We'd love for you to let Ashy know if you are a first-time caller because then I will give you your garden wings and uh, and of course we want you to call off and call early and please one question per call over to you charlie all right good job um a couple of things going on right away tomorrow the ontario sorry i don't really have this in front of me um <laughs> 
Tomorrow, the Ontario Rock Garden and Hardy, Gar- Hardy Plant Society is meeting at the Toronto Botanical Gardens, one o'clock in the Floral Hall. So that's the, the big hall downstairs. Oren Perry is an expert on bulbous Mediterranean plants and will be speaking on that subject and sharing and informing. Uh, Monday, uh, November 13th, so two days from now, 7.30 p.m., Knox United Christian Education Centre. It's the Agent Court Garden Club meeting at 2575 Midland Avenue. And their speaker, Michael Erdman, is speaking on naturalizing spring bulbs. So you're getting a theme there, the bulb theme. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes, indeed. I sent you... I sent you a photograph uh, from something I discovered in my basement just last last evening. Oh, yeah. Should we let it out now or should we talk about it after? Let's talk about it after. Okay, you got (laughs) it. Okay, so do give us a call. The lines are open. We'd love for you to have a question for Charlie. And we will be right back with much more on The Garden Show. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, indeed. We are back here on The Garden Show. And Charlie, a little quick note. Uh, when uh, mm-hmm. Gail and I left Collingwood this morning, just yeah. after six, it was snowing. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. It, and and so it begins. And so it begins. We had, a, we had some snow on Halloween, but, of course, that disappeared. And since then, we've yeah. had some little dribble drabbles of bits of rain, and it's been gray. But, you know, we still haven't had a good thunderstorm in two months. No. So our water table is way down. I understand Lake Ontario is way down. Um, so water is be, has become a, a limiting issue for me. We did bring in the water truck this week with whatever it is, you know, 8,000 gallons of water wow. that they dump into the well and of course we hope that some of it stays close enough in our well yes. that we can access it great yeah. okay yeah. um well and i guess the snow melting will also help the water table uh, as well yeah uh, you would hope yeah we it's hope. all just very very the, the water tables dropped so far because we just haven't had mm-hmm. substantial rain so the the surface of the soil you know everywhere in my world is is moist but it's only the top inch below that it's a desert gotcha for about you know two feet <laughs> so. well while you might not have enough rain we do have callers so there <laughs> that's good news good. <laughs> okay let's go now to uh our first caller from Newmarket. uh we've got gene on the line welcome to the garden show gene Good morning to you, too, both. I didn't say that right. My question is about a crocus. Uh, Mm. Charlie, I was given one in the spring, enjoyed it, and I put it outside and totally forgot about it. Saw this green thing the other day, and it's about two inches tall. Now, what do I do, kill it or? (laughs) No. Is it in a pot? Yes. Okay, so what I would do is I would get it, well, I mean, you can leave it in the pot, but bury the pot somewhere in the garden, or take it out of the pot and plant it so that it can just do its thing. Now, the little green poking up, yes, these things happen. It's because we've had mild weather and cool weather and the poor little bulbs, some of them think that it's time to start growing. So when you plant it, just plant it deep enough that the little green is below ground. So if it's poking up about two inches, plant it about, you know, three or four inches deep and it should be fine. It'll go back to sleep and come up in the spring. Can I keep it and maybe have a beautiful flower at Christmas? (laughs) I wouldn't because somebody gave you that, like you said, last year and you enjoyed Mm -hmm. it. 
So yeah. it's what we call forced. So the bulbs, and we can do that. You can force bulbs using your refrigerator to trick the bulbs to think that it's winter. Oh. However, the the bulb you're talking about has already been forced. So forcing twice never works. Thank you, as always. Take care, you two. <laughs> great. Thanks Bye. so much, Jean. Yeah, yeah. Bye. Thanks for calling. Uh, good, great question. Uh, you know what? Perhaps very timely for yours truly, because um, I would love, if there's still time, to uh, to grab some crocus bulbs, if I can find them, and I stick mm-hmm. them in my lawn. I always think that's great when they come up through people's lawns. Is that uh, still doable? Sure, for sure. I mean, the only thing stopping you from planting bulbs is the ground freezing. Okay. So you get whatever bulbs you can get a hold of, you can definitely still plant. The one trick about crocuses in the lawn, because I agree with you, I love them, mm-hmm. um, is that when they come up in the spring, of course, you'll enjoy the flowers, but then the leaves come up after that. And you have to leave the leaves, preferably for about a month or more. Gotcha. So this becomes a tricky sort of a situation because that's some point you got to mow your lawn it is spring when this is all happening and yes. the lawn is starting to grow so what i what i try and do is kind of mow around where the crocuses are have come up in the lawn by that time the flowers are done but the leaves are still quite obvious and just try and let that area uh, l- let those leaves grow as long as you can before you mow them down right yeah I, you know what that's probably been the thing that has kept me from doing it because i've always wondered about that i thought well when do i you know because you do you want to mow the lawn if it starts to grow mm-hmm. vigorously in the spring right and if you mow it too soon in terms of the crocus leaves, yeah. you'll annihilate their ability to come up the following year. So it's, yeah, it's one of those, yeah, cost benefit things. For sure. Okay. I'm going to give the numbers out again, uh, 416-360-0740 or toll free one 740 We do have to take another quick break. We'll be right back with much more on The Garden Show. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, indeed, we are back here on The Garden Show on this November 11th, Remembrance Day. And Charlie, you mentioned at the top of the show that you found something in your basement. (laughs) I did. So, just on a whim... I went to check on my pots of amaryllis bulbs that I put downstairs. I didn't put the date down, but it's at least a month ago anyway. So there's, I think, seven pots of bulbs. They were outside all summer in my backyard. They went down into the basement where I've ignored them. And, of course, all the green leaves have shriveled up and they're all brown and crispy and they've had no water. And it's dark. It's not super cool, but it's dark down Mm -hmm. there. And I just glanced at in around the corner where I stuffed them and sure enough one of them was starting to pop a flower the little flower stem was pure white sticking up out of the bulb and it was like oh well you're it's your time to come and shine Uh, so I brought that one upstairs and you know cleaned up the dead brown leaves and it's now sitting in my office where it's getting some natural light and of course it's going to turn green quite quickly in the presence of actual sunshine yeah yeah and I guess they uh, they just all those bulbs have their own little internal timeline, right? 
They, they do. And of course, what we want is we want those flowers to come. If it, if leaves start to come, then that tends to be what you get that year is leaves. And okay. So some years I have great success, lots of flowers and some years not so much. But right now I'm I'm doing great. I'm, I'm one for one for seven, but uh, looking forward to the next six pots as Good. well. Well, I'm looking forward to you sending me updates because I, I was very <laughs> I, I laughed when I got that picture. I thought, OK, here we go. <laughs> And uh, you know, it's amaryllis season. Yeah. So you'll have to send me every, you know, maybe once a week before the show, you'll have to send me an update picture. Mm-hmm. I'll be curious sure. to uh, see how it moves along. Uh, before we go to our next caller, I'm going to give the numbers out again. We have lots of room on the line, so give us a call. 416-360-0740 or one 740 4740, perhaps you have a, an outdoor gardening question, maybe you have an indoor gardening question, whatever it might be, maybe it's a fertilizing question, whatever the question <laughs> is, uh, give us a call. Okay, we're going to go right now to uh, uh, Scarborough. We've got Kenny on the line. And uh, Kenny, I, uh, it seems to me that you uh, might be a first-time caller, is that correct? Yes. Okay, well, I am going to give you the garden wings. Aha! Uh-huh. There you well, go. Welcome to the show. And so what do you got for Charlie there, Kenny? I have a question regarding tomatoes and sweet red bell peppers. I put, I grew them this summer. They grew pretty fast and turned out to come out nice red and firm. But you cut them open, and the, the taste was quite bitter, and there's a bit of a foul smell to them. And then the peppers, same thing, nice red bell peppers, nice and firm, and they actually vine ripened, and when you cut them open, there's a black substance in them. And wow. we, we didn't eat either, either one. You know, all summer that was the way. And even the tomatoes in the supermarket were bitter tasting, so we never got any good tomatoes this year from the supermarket or from the, our own gardens. Oh, Kenny, you should have come and visited me. I was giving them away by the bushel load, and they were sweet, really sweet. So this is an interesting question. I, I'm i going to have to do a little bit of looking this up. How Now, we know that peppers and tomatoes are the same family. <clears throat> have you planted in that same location in the past? Yes. Tomatoes and peppers, and you've had good luck? Oh, yeah, really sweet and uh, good. And But this year we had an, an enormous amount of both uh, tomatoes and red peppers. Usually we don't get quite as many. Right. Well, it was a great growing year. All, all of us farmers were pretty proud of the quantity of harvest we had. I mean, nice rain. Now, of course, you're in Scarborough. You had even more rain than me, I think. So oh, yeah. lots of moisture can lead to all kinds of fungal problems. But it's interesting. So they looked fine from the outside, but when you cut them open, smelled bad and black, which sounds very fungal, but I'm going to look that up and see what I can figure out was really going on there. Um, Were these pepper and tomato starter plants that you bought at a store? Uh, Actually, some of them were plants and some of them were from seed, from the actual store tomatoes. Right. So these are ones you grew yourself from seed? Yeah. We had four, four different kinds of tomatoes and every one of them did the same thing. Weird. Um, Well, okay, so some of the seeds you had saved from last year's tomatoes, which 
doesn't always work unless you're growing what are called open pollinated um, or some of the heritage variety of tomatoes. The the cultivars, the tomatoes that have a name in between single quotes like beefsteak comes to mind or sweet million or tiny Tim, these are cultivars. They we we do not grow those from seeds from the year before because they don't grow true to um, to form. Uh, you'll have a small percentage that will be what you want. The rest will not be what you want. So sometimes it's best to not save seeds unless you know exactly which the plants are that you're saving the seeds from and that you're guaranteed to get the same plants that you want. But yeah, but that's a, that's a bit of a puzzle. Um, good looking uh, harvest, good looking fruit, you know, tomatoes and peppers, but not edible um, and not at all, uh, you know, something that you would be happy to eat. So let me let me leave that with me and I'm going to see what I can find out. It's, that's a good puzzle, but clearly something fungal was going on. But why was it inside the fruit and not outside the fruit? I don't know. So let me um, let me report back after I can get a little bit more information. Oh. Okay. Do you have my number? Are you going to call me back? If you keep listening, I'll do my best to report back before the end of this show. And if not, then I will report at the beginning of next week's show. Okay. I appreciate it. Thanks. Okay. Yeah, yeah thanks, my pleasure. Thanks for the Kenny or the call there, Kenny. And thanks. again, it's Scarborough. And thanks, thanks for being a, for, for a first-time caller. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Well, it, I was going to say, I was thinking it sounds like a, like a date gone wrong. You know, the good-looking, and then you get to the date, there's no substance. Listen to you. (laughs) It's that suit that's doing it to you. (laughs) It gets too tight. (laughs) Okay, we actually have another first-time caller on the line. We have uh, we have uh, Frank, who's calling from Georgetown. Welcome to the Garden Show, Frank. Ah, good morning. I would love to give you your garden wings. How's that? Going to do that right now. Sounds good. You You earned them. Okay. What do you got for Charlie there, Frank? Um, I've got some older lilacs that we want to trim. Uh, can we do it now, or is it better off in the spring? Uh, you can do it now, but you will be losing uh, the flowers that would have form- would have presented beautiful, fragrant blooms for you in the spring if you trim them now. Because remember, yeah. spring-blooming well, woody plants have set their flower buds now. Yes, no, I, I'm aware of that, but uh, this is mm-hmm. the, uh, the like the old old stems that we you know we gotta mm-hmm. trim the bush back, you know, cut a mm-hmm. third of it out. Bad idea. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Sometimes you just got to do it when you can. The nice thing about doing it now is that you can see what you're doing. There's no leaves in the way. And so it's a a very optimal time to do that kind of, you know, restructuring, uh, reconfiguring of a woody plant when you can really see the framework. Um, But like I said, you're just going to not have as many flowers as you might have had otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Good luck with that. Okay, and <laughs> I got to tell you, I'm I'm amused here now again because we have I have another first time caller on the line, Charlie, mm-hmm. also from Georgetown. Wow, neighbors! Yeah, which is crazy. Okay, so uh, we've got John on the line. <laughs> Welcome to the Garden Show, John. Good morning. How are you? I'm good, and you and you're a first time caller. Indeed, I am. Okay, <laughs> there we go. There are your garden wings. Wow. It is you're a garden wing show exercise. today. Yeah, you're getting your exercise, Dean. Welcome, John. (laughs) Okay. I have two very, well, two questions regarding grapevines. 
It's in the Fort Colburn area. I planted three grapevines about three, four years ago, and I need to move them. Is this the right time to move them, or should I wait till uh, deeper freeze? No, I would not wait till. Well, first of all, I would prepare the location of where they're going. So have your holes dug, you know, good quality soil on hand. Make sure, of course, of course, they're going into full sun and that it's a well-drained, you know, reasonably fertile soil, which might mean using some composted manure just to supplement the soil, make sure it's got good fertility. Um, so first of all, you're going to have to cut the vines right back for the above growth. So I imagine they, they're quite extensive if they've been there for three or four years. So there's a big chopping back of the plant for the above ground. When you dig, you are going to, of course, be leaving some roots behind. And that's partly going to be balanced off by you cutting the above ground vines back as well. And then I, I would do it. I would probably do my moving now. I wouldn't wait till it's colder. Uh, the only thing you might want to wait for is the spring. But uh, but certainly, I mean, we're at the middle of November. Technically, we want to do our transplanting when there's a good six weeks of opportunity for the newly planted plant to settle in, get its roots out, you know, get get a little bit established. Um, if you're going into a location that's fairly sheltered and we're not worried that the plant's going to blow out of the ground or, or uh, you know, get eroded away by some river or something like that, then I would, um, I would plant now. I would transplant now. Use maybe a little handful of bone meal into each planting hole. Again, just to stimulate that root growth to um, ensure that the plants get going as soon as possible. Excellent. Uh, the second question is again relating to grapevines. It turned out to be a smorgasbord and a buffet for Japanese beetles. Mm. And since it's a cottage, I'm not that constantly to shoot the little butters. <laughs> is there any way, is there any way to, um, anything I can do to try to control it? Hmm. I wish. really, really like the, the new shoots. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. The, so remember when it comes to insect pests, generally speaking, they they come in waves. So last year was a bumper crop of Japanese beetles. They were in everybody's garden. They were annihilating trees and shrubs and, and vegetables. They were having just far too much fun. And of course, if it's at the cottage and you're not there every day, it's not like you can be out there picking them because picking and squishing lowers the population. It never kills them all but it lowers them. Um, okay, BT. So B as in Bob, T as in Tom. So BT is, uh, okay, I'm just trying to think what's the best way to do this. So there are some sprays that you can spray that are completely organic, not toxic to us, but make our plants toxic to insects. BT is one of them, Bacillus thuringiensis. It's a bacteria. Um, there's also... I'm going to double check. It's not grub be gone. I think there's like a beetle be gone or some kind of a, let me check onto that, what it's called. But there is something you can spray and it is a BT product that, because um, we there's different BTs. <laughs> so the main thing is you're spraying onto plants that the Japanese beetles love in an effort to, to for them to die, to chew and die. It's a stomach poison to them, not to us, though, or to birds. or or. But it is a stomach poison to any insect that chews on a plant. So it's just something to always keep in mind when it comes to some of our plants and realizing that 
the birds have to eat something too. And of course, the birds are pretty good little little beetle eaters as well. So um, we kind of like that they they get to work on that. But um, also, I'd avoid it. But there are Japanese beetle traps, and uh, Japanese beetle traps are very effective. They co- they will trap thousands and thousands of beetles, but you will have to empty your traps because they'll overflow, uh, and you realize that you will be attracting more beetles than would normally be on your property. So if it's a big enough property, if your your cottage is on a big property, maybe you can put a trap in sort of the far edge somewhere, uh, sort of into the woods or somewhere where it's not right near your house or right near your garden and just stay on top of emptying that trap every, probably every couple of days when they're they're really flying and really chewing and eating. In terms of distance, how far should should the trap be? you know, 20, 30 meters be okay, or should it be more than that? Uh, as far as you can. If you can go further, go further. <laughs> okay, thanks just so much for the call there, John. You, you, yeah, we have to, uh, we just have to run, but uh, uh, Charlie, I have an email question for you as well. Okay. Um, since we're talking about transplanting, okay, um, we got an email from Cheryl, who was asking about mums in a big pot, and more specifically, she said, okay, so they're supposed to be perennials, they finally bloomed in the pot, and now she wants to know, do I dig them into the ground, or do I overwinter them in the house? And she says that they're, she's finding conflicting information on the internet. Okay, this is actually a good question, and, and you know why she's getting conflicting information? Because mums, which are properly chrysanthemums, there are many, many kinds, and some are hardy and some are not. When you buy a mum inside a grocery store or a florist, so you buy it inside the store, chances are it's a florist mum. So it is not hardy. It is blooming at any time of year, depending on how the grower grew it, in order to have it flowering. Because generally speaking, you can buy mums at any time of year and they will be blooming. Mm -hmm. But those are florist mums. Hardy mums, on the other hand, are green plants in the spring. They're green all summer. They This is in our gardens. They naturally will set flowers and be quite floriferous in the fall. And those are hardy mums that will survive the winter if they're in the ground. So if you've got uh, mums that have started to naturally bloom in the fall, and it's based on day length, or more correctly, night length, the mums will naturally start to bloom. And of course, your, your, your thing is get them in the ground so that they will survive. In a pot, they will not. And inside your house, they will not. Okay. Great. So there you go. That is question answered. Uh, numbers again, 416-360-0740 or 1-866-740-4740 if you've got a question for Charlie. And uh, Joan has a question for Charlie, and she is a first-time caller calling from Pickering. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the Garden Show, Joan. Thank you. Hello. Hello. I'm going to give you your garden wings. I indeed am getting my garden wings workout <laughs> today, and there we go. Oh, thank you so You're much. very welcome. What do you got for good Charlie? Morning. Yeah, um, good morning. Welcome. Thank you. I have a jasmine plant that was given to me last year. Um, I didn't know quite what to do with it. It was full of flower, of course, when I received it. Beautiful white stars. Um, now, I was told by the nursery, because I haven't really cut it back, mm-hmm. to leave it but there's all sorts of new shoots and everything, and she said it may still flower. Now, is that likely, or should I cut it back? Okay, so how long have you had it again? 
I had it last year, and it was in flower. So you got it last spring? Yes. Okay. Early, um, in, you know. And it's been inside your house, obviously. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, because it is it's a, growing, it's a tropo- it's growing all yeah, new it's re- shoots, and it's getting very tall. Mm-hmm. Is it likely right. to flower, do you think, now, or shall I just wait and cut it at the right time, whichever uh. that is? If you well, okay. So typically, when we do our cutting back, it's in the spring or the okay. late winter on our flowering indoor tropical type plants. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just trying to think here. So uh, yeah, they uh, should you cut it back now? Do you have room for it to be able to do send out these vines all over the place, or is it you know going to be a problem in your house? No, it's on a it's on an arch, you know, a cane. Oh yeah, uh huh. Um, and uh, it's grown about well in height, like above the frame. It's grown uh-huh. about nine inches. It's still flat, still going, but it's very healthy oh. looking. Okay, okay, so that's good. But you know what? It's your job to twine the vines onto the frame. Oh well. Okay, so. They're twining amongst themselves because I loop them in, you know, the other branch mm. sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, up. yeah, just that when when you purchased it or somebody gave it to you as a gift, that's what the grower had done. They had yeah. trained it onto that frame. Yeah. And so, yeah, uh, yeah exactly. So um, I'm just looking quickly no, because I back? haven't. Would I cut it if I cut it back? Um. So for now, you want to um, keep it out of drafts. You don't want any hot air furnace draft blowing on it. You don't want it too near a window where cold air can get on it. You do right. want it in a, in a coolish room, 60-ish, 65, 70 degrees Fahrenheit. Okay. Uh, you do. Humidity is very important. We're at coming to that time of year where our tropical plants need humidity. They'll never get enough natural moisture in the air mm. in our mm. heated homes. So get a, mm. a, a tray, a cookie sheet, gravel yeah, in the tray. Moist. Uh, I've Googled it and I've looked in my home plants, you know, house plants mm-hmm. book. Mm-hmm. But I just wanted to know when yeah. the time is right to cut it and shall I just wait till that time? So wait until you always prune after something flowers. So since you didn't prune last time it flowered, last spring, summer, leave it for now and let it grow, you know, care for it, water it, do all the important things. Once it's done a second bloom, which it should do, then you can cut it right back to whatever whatever makes sense because it, it will grow like stink if you don't cut it back. And, of course, proper pruning will encourage more growth as well. It, it, so it's possible it's going to bloom. Yeah, it is possible. Oh, and okay. even if it doesn't, get pruning it in the spring. Right, right. And go right oh. down or just... no. No, no, just um, I wouldn't take it right down. I, again, usually it's that rule of one third, remove one oh, okay. third of the plant at the most. Okay. But it's more yeah. just a control. You're going to be pinching, pruning, shaping as when you're doing this cutting back uh, oh, and helping right. it to not just be a tangled mess. Yeah, it's okay. something I've never had before. And it's, you know, a little bit more well, to it than just the yeah. regular house well, plants. It's a... It's a <laughs> It's a vine, right? It's a vine. So it's not, it's something that because it's a vine, it will, you know, grow 
into the next room in your house if you let it. So you just have to do some controlling. You have to remember you're the boss and make sure that it's growing where you want it to grow uh, and that it's, you know, looking good. But any real major cutting back, I would say for the spring. Okay. Thank you so much for the call there, Joan. I have got to run. I've got to go to another break, but we will be right back with much more on The Garden Show. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, we are back here on The Garden Show. Those numbers again to call us. We have lines open, uh, 416-360-0740 or 1-866-740-4740. So, Charlie, got to tell you, last week I was inspired uh, by things that you said. I always am. And uh, Mm I did go out and get some. I got a couple of bags of fall grass fertilizer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so we, uh, I can't say we, I just purchased it and then Gail did it. Gail, I cannot take any credit. She likes to credit do that stuff. Credit is due. Yeah. So we put it into one of those, you know, those spreaders and we dialed it up Good. to the right ratio and we, Good, uh, we got it on the lawn. So, cause I know that nice. you said you're a big fan. That's the only way that you really like to fertilize grass. Yes. Yeah, the only time is in the fall for me. I, I just like... I like using top dressing, so soil and seed, as a way to keep my lawn healthy and happy. But the synthetic fertilizer has its merits, particularly in the fall, just in preparation for winter. So, yes, it's interesting you mentioned that, that you got it out. You purchased it and Gail put it on. Um, Elliot is our is our turf guy here, yeah. and he did the same thing, went out and bought this, the fertilizer. And we don't have a big, we need a bigger fertilizer spreader because we have a pretty big yard. Yeah. And he he's using the small little suburban sized right. spreader from Richmond Hill. He walked <laughs> seven and a half kilometers oh. fertil- fertilizing the lawn great. In, one, in one day. He's I like, love it. All right. The fertilizer is done and I just walked seven and a half <laughs> oh, kilometers. I love it. <laughs> I, like, I love wait. it. Good man. Very, very good man indeed. We we have we have very good lawn turf loving spouses we have. So <laughs> we do. <laughs> okay, we're gonna go to a next caller. We have Marie who's calling from a, a little community just north of Newmarket. Uh, Zephyr, I think I am saying it correctly. Welcome mm-hmm. to the garden show, Marie. Hello. Hello. Oh, and thanks for morning. the show. Yeah, I love oh, it. You're welcome. Um and I have a question. It's about banking roses and mm-hmm. I'm wondering about Putting a layer of leaves on first and then the soil on top, or just put the soil and forget the leaves? Okay, so do you have any idea what kind of leaves? Is it a mix of leaves, or is it one particular yes, tree? Uh, birch leaves and maple leaves. So I have used leaves, just as you suggest, leaves first, soil next. But if they're maple leaves, you know, big leaves like maple leaves, I would run the lawnmower over them first. Put the bag on the lawnmower, uh, catch the leaves in the bag, take those big leaves down to a tenth of the size they are now, 
put you know handfuls of leaves over the crown of the roses soil on top of that and then in the spring when you pull away the soil and the leaves will be moist and they'll still be there but you'll carefully pull that away as well maybe use your hose to clear the leaves and the soil away from the roses in the spring but it just Mm -hmm. adds great organic material for the next season so sure i've used leaves many times but they can be a little more challenging to get them off the plants because the leaves stick to the rose thorns so it can just be a little bit more work but it's ultimately great for the soil around the roses okay thank you okay yeah you're very welcome thanks for the question marie all these questions about winterizing things right i know it's time it's time we're we're all thinking about that well you're the guy who said you drove out the drove out of collingwood in a snowstorm it it was it was it was snowing there was and it took all the way here for the ice to finally be gone from the hood of the vehicle like it just you know the sun was coming we could see it going uh and it actually was only two degrees in collingwood as we got a little closer to barry it was zero and then Mm -hmm. as we got to toronto it got up to about three and that's sun was beaming on there and every once in a while a piece of ice would come flying off the hood because it's warming <laughs> oh, no. up yeah but uh, but yeah Great it was it thing. was a whole different deal in collingwood for sure okay wow. uh we are going to take our final break uh we will okay. be right back okay with much more on the garden show don't change stations just because the weather changes garden tips and advice all year round this is the garden show with charlie dobbin exclusively on zoomer radio all right. Uh, I'm on my own now. Dean had to scoot. As we say, he's off to the Royal Ontario, no, the Agricultural Winter Fair. We love that fair. And he's off to do some uh, Remembrance Day ceremony uh, organizing um, master of ceremonies. Uh, he's pretty good at that. He's got a good voice, too. Uh, we, I see one of our callers listen to the mantra. Jean has called back from Newmarket. Good morning, Jean. Oh, good morning, Charlie. You have to save me. I called you <laughs> with a crocus question. The husband mm-hmm. just wandered through, and he is a farmer, and he is disgusted. What I have is a hyacinth. <laughs> Please help me. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So it's the same, same thing. Okay, but is it just one oh. hyacinth in that pot, or is there more than one? Three. Three. Yeah. So what you, so the trick when we force, like in a pot, when we have bulbs in a pot, we force them. Like I said, using refrigerators to trick them. When we plant them in the ground, though, we treat them a little bit differently. Number one, they go deeper in the ground than they did in the pot. So you're going to plant those four to six inches deep. They also do, you do not want them touching when you're planting them. In a pot, we jam them all in really tight. We plant them right on the surface of the soil, but Mm -hmm. in the ground, deeper and not touching, preferably uh, four inches, you know, apart kind of thing. Uh, So you want that that distance uh, so that they will be able to come up and you can enjoy them next spring and you should be able to you should have them come up and be fragrant and and pretty in the garden just like they were in the pot that's the one thank you very much charlie take care Bye. <laughs> you're very welcome bye. that's hilarious bye so yes her husband the farmer was disgusted all right well that's that's good but we don't have any callers on the line if anybody wants to try and give a quick call we have a few minutes left of course you know the numbers 416 360-0740. Uh, outside of the local calling area, 866-740-4740. Now, I do have a, um, 
an email from Najma Iqbal. So it's, hi, Charlie, love your show. My house is being invaded with ladybugs. Now, this uh, email is five days old. But nevertheless, her house was being invaded with ladybugs. They come through somehow near the kitchen at the windowsills. She has a south-facing house, and I don't know how to get rid of them. One or two ladybugs is fine, but not 15, 20, 30, way too many. The house, especially on sunny days, how do I get rid of them? Help, please. So I'm sure there are others out there who have had this exact same issue. It's uh, very common in the fall. Ladybugs are looking for a place to lay their eggs so that the eggs can be safe over the winter and then hatch in the spring. And they love our nice south walls, nice warm walls. They don't need a very large crack or cranny to get into the house, and they will. Um, sometimes they'll even come, come in on you. I've had that happen here in the last month or so where I check myself before I step into my house just to clear the ladybugs off before I step in. Once they're in your house, do not squish them. You will regret it. They will stain your walls, uh, and it's just not a, not a great idea if you have to. Um, they, there's a pheromone that they can be leaving behind, so they're leaving a trail, a chemical trail, as they're entering your house to tell all the other ladybugs how to get in. So rec you know, check for any cracks or crannies, cock up, close off any of those little cracks or crannies if you can see them. Once the ladybugs are in your house, use your vacuum. Your vacuum is going to be your best way to uh, to remove them. Of course, preferably uh, vacuum up whatever it is, a couple hundred ladybugs, and then take the vacuum outside if you can and empty the bag outside and let them go or at least recognize that you you will need to empty the bag on your, um, on your uh, vacuum. You don't want them to just uh, sit there. Uh, dying because they will eventually not smell good uh, in the vacuum. But that's the bottom line. The, the poor little colonies are just looking for a place to, to weather, you know, weather the winter, so to speak. Um, all right. Uh, okay, we do. Looks like we've had a few calls come in when I when I uh, let those numbers out. So here we've got Shelly on the line calling from Buffalo. Good morning, Shelly. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. I was listening my pleasure. to what you said Thank you. I was listening to what you said about not trimming the buds from uh, something that would bloom in the spring. What about mm -hmm. a Rose of Sharon, the fact that it blooms a little bit later? Should I wait to the, when should I cut that back? Great question. So good example. Rose Thank of Sharon you. does not bloom in the spring. It blooms in the summer. It's more right. even like mid to late summer. So the, mm -hmm. the rule of thumb for everybody when we're thinking about when do we prune our flowering plants, we prune them after they flower. So right now your Rose of Sharon has bloomed. It probably has little mm -hmm. crispy fruits on it right now, or is it still flowering? No, it has a little brown crispy fruits on it. Yeah. So what that means is we can prune it now because it's finished flowering. Prune it now. Personally, though, I like to leave those little crispy fruits uh, because I think they're kind of pretty over the winter. But in the spring, you can you can uh, cut back and should cut back that Rose of Sharon. Um, once you start to see the growth, it's a very slow plant to start growing. I'm one of the last to actually put out leaves. So wait until 
you've done all your other work and then you'll start to see some little green buds on that rose of sharon and at that point you can you can prune it back quite hard if you want to you know can shrink it by a half even if you need to if it's really big and gangly but uh, mm -hmm. keep it tidy at least be bringing it uh, back into control because they get kind of tall and out of control if we don't prune them mm -hmm. thank you so much that's an excellent answer i appreciate it good stuff thanks for calling Okay, thank you. Have a good week. Bye-bye. And well, and you too. Bye-bye. Yeah. I wonder if we have time. It looks like uh, Liz is on the line calling from Hamilton. Good morning, Liz. Hi, I have a question. I brought in Amanda Villa. Now what do I do with it? <laughs> okay, so it's you, you gave it a nice wash before you brought it in. It's all yeah. clean and ready to go? Yeah. So me, what I do with plants like Mandevilla is I try to keep them growing as house plants over the winter. And the only way you can do that is if you have a very nice, bright, sunny window to put it into. So southern, preferably a southern exposure, western exposure is your brightest window. Right in the window, uh, avoid drafts. You know, use a vent deflector if you need to, to keep the hot air from blowing on the plant. Slow down on your watering. Plants will use much less water in the winter than they do in the growing season. And so feel the soil before you water. Do not water on the calendar. And so make sure it's, you know, really needs water. Uh, nice bright sun. Turn the plant every week or so, 180 degrees. Moisture in the way of humidity is a good thing. Spritzing with a spritzer uh, is a good thing you will see some yellow leaves very naturally when we bring plants in so just keep it tidy keep it clean you may need to do some cutting back if it starts looking kind of not you know not very good uh, you'll need to cut maybe do some cutting back but in the spring it's going to take off and start growing like crazy and then you'll really do some cutting back before you go back out next like late spring when we're frost free Okay. okay, thanks, good Liz. Thank you. Good luck with All that. Right. And um, we're at a racetrack. Thanks, everybody. Oh, thanks for uh, thanks for being here. Thanks for your great questions. Um, thanks, Dean, though he's gone. And Ashley couldn't do any of this without you. Take care. See you all again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.